Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we'll be reviewing the new Gaspar Noir, Noir, Noah, Gaspar Noah, Noah film Climax. We're also <laughs> going to be taking a look at Netflix's new exclusive Triple Frontier. We're going to look at some trailers that have just come out. Three trailers uh, for some hot new releases, and only two of them are Disney movies. So, small world. And we are going to talk about some news. Our first story, the biggest story of last week, also Disney related, funny story. Uh, Disney has reinstated director James Gunn for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh my god, Andy. It's, it's been a roller coaster of emotions. Um, as we reported uh, about six months ago or, or so, maybe it was four months, um, director James Gunn had been taken off Guardians of the Galaxy 3 after some old text uh, tweets from about 10 years ago were, were dug up and they were deemed to be inappropriate. And uh, so they, they very swiftly took him off, off the project uh, to the kind of the, not outrage, but everyone was really upset. Everyone on the film, a lot of the fans uh, were really upset by this move. And uh, after kind of have been in discussions with him, and also primarily because of how he publicly handled it, he, he publicly apologized. He, he wrote a letter. He took, he took uh, responsibility for his words, and he never once blamed other people or Disney. Um, and so he's been given a second chance to uh, come back onto Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I don't want to sound like a non-believer or a James Gunn hater or a Disney lover or whatever stereotypical conclusion you can draw from this. Man, I never thought this would happen. I remember saying on the show, I was like, obviously Disney's not going to reinstate him. Of course. The biggest entertainment company in the world is not going to roll back its own word on the world stage, trip over itself, and let people know, hey, we screwed up and we're going to do this instead. I don't believe it. I can't believe it. I figured there's no way James Gunn would get this job back. And here we are. In, in, in the year of our Lord 2019, <laughs> Disney, the House of Mouse, has said that they did something wrong, and now they're making it right. Now, why is this? Why, why would they reinstate him? Any, any theories, any hot takes? I mean, he's an incredibly successful director. Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 have made a billion and a half dollars. I mean, he obviously knows what he's doing, can handle a franchise. It's, you know, it's, it is largely business... Uh, related they want him to 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 you know be directing this film but again i think also how he handled himself a good comparison in this article from deadline is between him and the way kevin hart handled his twitter situation uh he kevin hart went on the defensive he never apologized he uh just was very standoffish and um you know he he was taken off the oscars and even though they kept trying to get it back on, he just he would not kind of relent. Um, and, and James Gunn was the exact opposite. He took responsibility. He apologized. Um, and he admits that that was part of a time in his life when he was trying to be a, a provocateur. He was with a certain studio. You know, so it was a, a bit of an, an act. Um, so, so I think all these things together played into Disney's decision. And they actually made this decision months ago. Uh, the, the word is learning about it now. So, which means that they they made that decision not long after it happened. He has been working on a movie recently, right? That that might have riled some feathers over at Disney. And I don't want to spend too much more time on this. So we'll wrap this up. But uh, he has been working on the Suicide Squad, which, as far as we know from the good people at DC, is a complete reboot of Suicide Squad. Total rehash, which is weird because Suicide Squad is an Academy Award winning film. Strange that they would roll that back. Um, 
You think that had any weight in this decision that, that that they got rid of him and then couldn't get anybody to pick up Guardians Three and suddenly he's over there making movies for the competition, or do you think that was just flash in the pan? Disney doesn't care either way. Uh, they just couldn't find somebody for Guardians and they need you know need to finish that up. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that, that, that's what I think. I think they they couldn't really find anyone to. I mean, I think they purposely didn't replace him. You know, the, there's lots of other people. That, uh, Adam McKay was talked about taking over or Taika Waititi. Neither of those um, panned out. So I, I think they knew what they were going to do kind of all, all along. I mean, him going over to, to D.C., I think probably what worries them. I mean, he's incredibly talented and uh, successful. Um, and they don't, <laughs> they don't want their competition having that success. So I think that probably played into a little bit of the decision as well. Uh, one more thing on this before we move on. I did get a laugh out of Taika Waititi on Twitter. Taika Waititi, who is the director of What We Do in the Shadows, The Hunt for the Wilder People, and Thor Ragnarok, as of most recently, got on Twitter uh, after this was announced that, hey, I thought I was supposed to make Guardians 3. <laughs> Just good for a laugh. Uh, <laughs> the next story, uh, Ezra Miller is writing the script for the new Flash film in a bid to stay on as star uh the actor of the film is currently reworking the script with comics author grant morrison he is trying desperately to get some kind of script out that dc likes enough to keep him on as lead what is this about why is an actor working on a script (laughs) is this a normal thing what do you know uh well as we know from DC, that they're scrapping a lot of what they started with in this universe. Uh, you know, Ben Affleck is no longer Batman. Henry Cavill is no longer Superman. They're going in a completely new direction. But unfortunately, The Flash and Ezra Miller were announced quite a long time ago that he was going to have his own solo movie, and it's been kind of in development. Um, now it it seems like he he wants to turn. He's working with Grant Morrison to turn in a more, I guess, adult darker version of the script and i think what was in the works was a more lighthearted Guardi- guardians of the galaxy style script so we we kind of have two different uh options and i mean he's supposed to turn that in very like the end of this month uh to see if that's what they're going to go with i i'm really excited about, about that i i mean grant morrison is a legend in comic books and he gets into the real wacky you know alternate dimensions and gods and all this stuff outside of outside of like space and time so, I, I mean, I'm really excited for that kind of script, but it definitely is an odd situation. I don't mind an actor taking charge of their role. I really don't. I, I would argue the best roles actors have ever been in are the ones that they really said, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Everybody else get on board. Uh, yeah, Johnny Depp and Jack Sparrow come to mind. Everybody hated that on set, and it turned out it worked, which is great. But I, I don't remember the last time i saw an actor so adamantly part of the writing process you know and i'm sure it's happened i just i can't recall when that happened uh certainly to this level it's weird uh you can tell he really wants uh, ezra miller really wants to be involved in the flash like he really wants to be a part of it um i don't blame him i think it's a really cool character obviously he sees potential so you kind of know the character you know a little bit of comic background what do you think it is that dc's not seeing what what do you think it is that they're they're like i don't know if this is for us what's what's going on there well, I I, th- I think that that they've they've realized they've made mistakes. They've realized they can't do what Marvel do can do, or has done, and so the, they're trying to go in new directions. They realize kind of the lighter, um, fair work for them. That that's what happened in Aquaman, which you haven't seen yet, but it, it's much more lighthearted than their other comic book uh, movie attempts, um, and it worked. It grossed over a billion dollars. So, 
you know, they kind of want to lean into that a little. Uh, but if they're leaning into the the Flashpoint saga, which I think has been done on TV, um, it's a dark story. You know, it's the Flash is in an alternate universe or alternate timeline, and, and um, you know, it, it's just it's a very dark story. And I think that's what they're they're trying to tell. And I think that could really work. Like, it's okay for for comics to tell dark stories. You just got to do it right. And it, and that doesn't mean the film has to literally be dark. You can't see anything, Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our last story, uh, Paramount titles James Cameron's produced Terminator sequel. And the Terminator sequel will stay on uh, against Charlie's Angels on November 1st. A throwback against a throwback. Arguably a female-driven <laughs> film against a female-driven film. Uh, Battle of the Ages, right? And you found this story. I didn't know a whole lot about the Terminator sequel. I still kind of don't. Um, but as I'm reading here, I'm learning more. Fill us in, please. <laughs> so Terminator ha- has had a very strange uh, life in the series. Uh, basically, Terminator... Th- uh, this is going to be called Terminator Dark Fate, by the way, which is n- kind of a terrible title. Um, <laughs> kind of, yeah. But, but it, it's going to follow chronologically after Terminator 2. Um, and what they're saying is that Terminator 3 and uh, Terminator Genesis and whatever the one with Sam Worthington is, um, they're saying that all those kind of took place in alternate timelines or alternate universe, something something like that. Um, and that, that it, that's not essentially part of the main canon. So this is going to f- pick up right after the, the second film, which is a, a modern classic, no doubt, um, which, which is really cool. And, and of course, they're bringing back old linda hamilton who's like it must be in her 60s now um and then mackenzie davis from the the one screen that they have looks like she might be one of the terminators as as well so there's a lot going on i'm definitely looking forward to it because it it follows the the two good really good terminator films Um, yeah and and we'll see what it does I'm not against this idea of rolling back films uh i i wish it was done a little bit more creatively and maybe terminator dark fate will do that i i don't know um i'm reminded of that 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 story after um i think prometheus came out that uh neil blomkamp the director of district nine was going to make a a alternate reality sequel to aliens that would be like a new alien three but is set after the events of aliens it's like we're just going to roll with that and I was yeah. so stoked on that because I thought, man, that that really didn't work out for for Alien Three and Four. Which, by the way, Alien Three, a, an underrated David Fincher film, in my opinion. But we can get into that another time. Uh, I, that was a thing that was supposed to happen, and that was cool. Now it didn't work out. It's kind of neat that's working out for Terminator, though. I, I don't mind the creativity behind that. From saying, hey, you know what? What if we went this way instead? Like, sure, why not? Why not tell a story that way? Like, sure, why not? Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I guess I wish it wasn't done quite as ham-fistedly as this one seems to be, but bringing back Linda Hamilton's a good move. Bringing back Arnie is a good move. Um, I guess I'm hopeful. How do you think it's going to do against the uh, Elizabeth Banks-directed Charlie's Angels? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I, I remember when the first Charlie's Angels came out in like 2001 or so, uh, or 2000, and that was a big deal, and I think it was really successful. I don't think it's really going to be a, a whole lot of, uh, uh, you know, it's not going to challenge Terminator. I mean, Terminator is such a bigger film and franchise and brand. I think it's it's probably going to win out that wind, window uh, pretty easily. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see a trailer because we actually haven't seen anything on uh, on this film. Yeah. 
I, other than that one promotional image, which listeners of the podcast can't see. So, And if you're thinking yeah. to yourself, hold on, I want to see this thing. Where do I find the video version of the podcast? We don't have one yet, so I'm sorry. But we're working on it. All right, we'll figure it out. Just relax. But subscribe to the show if you can swing it. Also, we should get into our first review of the show. Andy, you've graciously agreed to take the summary on this one. Please take it away. This is Gaspar Noe's Climax. <laughs> So this is the latest uh, film by provocateur and shock director Gaspar Noe, who previously uh, he's made Into the Void and Love, and and mostly people just hate his films. Like people, he prides himself on people walking out and being disgusted, being whatever. He's incredibly indulgent. He he lives to shock. Um, anyways, his latest film uh, stars Sofia Botella. And takes place in in the '90s at and it, it deals with this group of dancers. It actually feels a lot like Suspiria. <laughs> it's this group of dancers who are at this kind of abandoned school and rehearsing on a snowy weekend. And uh, there's these huge dance numbers, and eventually it turns into a big party with with dancing and music and uh, alcohol. And uh, eventually it turns out the uh, the sangria punch that everyone is uh, imbibing in. Uh, gets laced with LSD, <laughs> and uh, then everything begins to kind of uh, become unhinged. Uh, that's that's the main plot of the story. It's very it's like sensory overload. There's lots of music. And there's lots of lights. There's lots of just incredible imagery. Um, it's an assault on the senses, and then there's lots of little kind of stories and vignettes between uh, the characters. Um, it was something else. Zach and I went and saw it at the Texas Theater. On Saturday afternoon. Uh, Zach, what did you think? Man, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Uh, I was so <laughs> stunned after seeing it. Uh, I mean, the whole time watching it, I, I kept thinking to myself, like, what am, what am I going to think of this when it's all said and done? Like, what, what, are the, what is, is this movie going to be as good as the sum of its parts? Because it, it starts strong and it just keeps going strong. And then it hits a bit of a lull, and then it gets good again, and then it gets weird again, and then it gets good again. So, like, you have this odd back and forth, and I've never seen a Gaspar Noé film. I've heard a lot about him. Uh, I've always wanted to. Uh, I've got some odd reasons for not seeing them, mostly laziness, but ultimately, man, I really, really like this movie. I, I've had trouble shaking it in the past few days. I don't know if you have as well, but it's one of those movies that, like, sticks with you a little bit, and, and, yeah, and I'm still thinking about it, and I've... I've Gone back and tried to listen to the soundtrack on Spotify. Only parts of it are on there because only parts yeah. of it are allowed to play in the U.S. Because <laughs> it's a lot of French music. Um, but man, I I would like to see this. Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll get to a, a bigger, wider review at the end. Let, let's talk about first. Um, I guess I guess the best place to start here is probably the cinematography, right? Right, which is a strange place to start. But this movie's shot uh, uh, unlike many others. Um, not a For whole sure. lot of not a whole lot of CGI that I noticed. If there was a lot, I didn't notice it because it was very effective, very practical. A lot of long takes, which I love a good long take. Yes, oh, super long takes. I'm yeah. a sucker for a good long take. And I went looking after the, after the movie to try to see if I could figure out was that all one shot? Was that Birdman style where it was kind of edited together? And I think it's a mix of both. I think it was a lot of very long takes and a few like clever cuts in there. Um, and there are genuine cuts that you find, but for what it's worth, um, ultimately 
the movie is shot in a very dreamlike nature. It's it's a, it's a handheld camera and it just kind of floats around the room and as things start to get nuts, the camera starts to get nuts and starts to tilt and turn upside down at times and like lights come into it. Lighting is a whole thing in the movie. It's a very practical way to try to draw out a, a bad LSD trip, right? Would you? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt I felt like I was supposed to be at the party. That's the way the movie made me feel. Like the the way the kind of dance music is like bumping the whole time, the flashing lights, that like you said, the, a lot of camera manipulations. You you feel like you're just another character in the in the crowd because it and there's like 20 people at this thing. Um, and, and you're made to feel like that. And the camera follows different characters around, and you'll learn a little bit. It's like being at a party. You know, you go and talk to these people for five minutes, and then you leave the conversation, maybe talk to someone else, and it's just, you know, random things happen, predictable things happen. It, again, it's very experiential, and the, the camera movement has a lot to do with that. We should also follow with the music, uh, loud club music, a lot of original stuff uh, from a variety of... Artists. I know a movie like Enter the Void, uh, which was Gaspar Noé, uh, had one artist that did everything. That was Thomas Ben Galter of Daft Punk, personal favorite of mine. This one only had a couple tracks from him. Really, it's it's a it's a pretty good variety. It's a pretty good mix, which I think helps make it feel a little bit more like a real party. It's not all coming from one person. It's like different music and it changes up. Yeah. And like somehow, and I think this plays into that element of like feeling like you're supposed to be at the party. The music was loud. And I wanted it louder. Like somehow I was like, this isn't this isn't loud enough. Like this I need to be buried in this experience. There were times when um there was dialogue over music and I kept thinking to myself, like, honestly, you don't even need this. Like you really don't. You could just have music. Like I, I bet there should be there should be at least a version of this movie almost like Mad Max's uh, uh Fury Road black and chrome edition, where it's like black and white and desaturated because George Miller thought in editing it looked cool. I'll bet there's a version of this movie where it's just music and it's awesome um, mm-hmm. because because it's really good. But there is a lot of dialogue. There are a lot of characters. Um, mm-hmm. So b- before we move on to character and any thoughts on music? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a mixture of dance music that ranges from the 70s through uh, through now. Uh, one of the things that, th- that this reminds me of, though, is also the kind of the structure of, of the film at the beginning. We get... Um, this opening shot and then we kind of get end credits and then the thing is we keep seeing credits throughout the first like quarter of the film like yeah. different parts like yeah like the whole first act a, yeah yeah it, it's very and even cl- then again close to to the uh end as well but but uh but sorry back to the, the, the music it was i mean it's dance music it makes you feel again like you're in a club uh, and I've been, I mean, it was a great soundtrack. I tried to listen to it, same, ran into the same problems. Half the tracks aren't, uh, you know, can't listen to them individually or unless you buy the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, it's un- un- unfortunate. But that it's a huge part of the, the movie for sure. So let's talk about character. Um, there are a lot of characters in this movie. Why don't you kick this off a little bit? Uh, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so the, we kind of get introduced at the very beginning because it starts with this, um, you're watching a TV set and there's, uh, an interview with, with different, um, characters and that's where, where you kind of begin, uh, to meet some of them, which I can't really remember uh, any of their, no, <laughs> any of their names. Not at all. Uh, oh, I mean, uh, almost, almost all of them are dancers. Almost none of them are actual actors, uh, yeah. except for Sophia Botella in the, in, in kind of the lead role. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. Um, so, so we meet a few kind of people there, but then at the very beginning of the film, uh, you know, there's this big dance number that, that goes on for a long time. And then when that, that finishes up, it just goes right into the party. And then that's when we start to hear conversations and we see lots of little stories going on. You know, there's a brother and sister that are, you know, they have a dynamic, then there's that sister and her boyfriend, and then there's the, the, these two guys who I think are, like, bouncers or aren't dancers, and then there's Sophia Botella's character and other... I mean, it's just, like, ten small little interweaving storylines, and we get just glimpses of it, uh, of these characters, but that, I think that's that's kind of the point. Again, it's like it's like being at an event like this. Like, you, you might meet someone new, but you're not going to talk to them all night, probably. And they, they make a good effort to get you to know a lot of these characters, but ultimately they're, they're, there are still characters in the background you don't you don't become familiar with. There's a clever uh, like duality to a lot of them. Yeah, like the brother and sister. Uh, one of them is a, a, a guy who's kind of chasing a girl and a girl who's not really into them. Like there's there's pairings, right? These, these, these two dudes yeah. who are brothers who just joined the dance company that are homophobic. Uh, uh, and we should talk about that real quick before we get too far into this, um, um, sexuality in this movie, cause that's the whole thing. Um, yeah. but, but ultimately there are characters that are relegated to the background who you don't know a lot about. There, there's, there's a, there, there's an event towards the end of the movie where there's two characters featured, um, pretty graphically on the floor of the dance hall, uh, for the last probably seven to 10 minutes of the movie and no lie i could not tell you who those characters were in the movie i'm like i don't even remember them being there i, I tried to look at it yeah. i was like i still don't <laughs> know who that is like it tries to juggle a lot and it does it it does this cleverly because you either have characters that are central to, to one of the running plots in the film or you have characters who are dancers in the background who are doing like insane dance moves just like casually in the background of a scene, yeah. you'll see a guy do something and you're just like, oh my God, like what is that, that dude doing with his arms? <laughs> and it's very like, it adds to that dreamlike LSD kind of kind of trip of an experience, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and we, you know, we learn about the characters and we, we gain insights into them. Like you said, some, some of them are, are scared, some of them are brave, some of them are, you know, homophobic. Um, and then we get these bursts of, of drama between some of them, not between everyone. And that's where we kind of get some of these characters who they are kind of get revealed in a very kind of fast and, and dramatic uh, way. Uh, there's lots, I mean, there's, like you said, there's lots of sexuality. There's also lots of violence. There's, uh, you know, people being terrible, people being nice. It, it's just this whole mix of like the human condition all, all happening in one night. Yeah. There's very much this almost like, I was going to say like Lord of the Flies, but these people aren't obviously trapped on an island. But yeah, it, it's very much this expression of self and these people who are dancers who believe that you should be able to love who you want and, and do whatever kind of drugs you want, which makes for an interesting backdrop for this kind of whodunit story of, of like who spiked the punch bowl, you know, like kind of fun um, and kind of engaging. It also produces some conflict, which turns into some... Yeah, graphic situations, violent or otherwise, I guess. Um, yeah. And I never felt like the movie went too far down there because it could have gotten worse. It reminds me of that scene in, in eighth grade when Elsie uh, Fisher's character is trapped in a car with, with a high school boy. It could have been worse than it was, but it wasn't. And I appreciated that because <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't need it to be real in my face. Like, I'm glad the music and the visuals did that for me. I didn't need... Um, really horrible things happening to these characters uh and some horrible things happen regardless 
Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to say it's it's <laughs> it reminds me that I think anyone if you've been to a wild wild party and like where things got out of control that's what this reminded me of. It's like, yep. Uh that's going to break. That person's going to get hurt. Those yeah. people are going to get together. Those people are going to break up. It was just like kind kind of a mix of of everything. And you're again, you're experiencing all this amid this really loud music. Sometimes you don't really hear what the characters say. Um, even there are a lot of subtitles because a lot of it's in French. Um, yeah, but it, it's so much in it. Like I said, an experiential thing. So we've been talking a lot about just the experience of watching the movie. Let's talk about things we liked and didn't like, right? Like the things you right. felt it was strong in, things you felt it was weekend. You want to kick this off? Um, sure. So <laughs> some of the strengths. I mean, like the dance numbers, like the visual ex- experience is, is pretty stunning. Like you said, a lot of. Th- especially towards the end where the camera's upside down or different angles where, you know, you, you feel woozy, you feel, uh, you know, as if you were inebriated kind of what I I think is the idea. And, uh, you know, I think that that's really effective thing. The, these huge long takes, because it all takes place in one building uh, and the camera follows people and it might stay with someone for a long time, but then eventually inevitably breaks off. Um, it's just kind of swirling right there. Like I said, I think it's like you're an extra character. Um, what do you? What are some of the weaknesses? Do you think? Well, let me let me jump on to strengths real quick because you mentioned a couple that I haven't mentioned so far. Uh, one, the dancing. Um, I mean, there's already some incredible dance moves in this, but if the opening dance number, the Gaspar Noé's climax, is truly one take. Which leads to, I think, a probably about a 10-minute scene in a party, which, again, one take. Immediately after finishing this incredibly choreographed, like, 30-person dance number, they just immediately go into party. And everybody stands up, goes to the buffet table, gets some sangria, we're talking, we're conversing, we're, we're, we're now, yeah. If that's one take, that might be one of the greatest dance scenes ever filmed. Like, honestly, (laughs) it is incredible. It is so mesmerizing and visual and you can't look away and is such an incredible way to get a movie off the ground following a pretty dry sequence of of television. But uh, ultimately, the dancing is incredible. The cinematography is mind-blowing. The way the camera just straight up, like, towards the end of the film at the height of this this, this nightmare of of a trip, uh, just, uh, I mean, basically flips at one point. It's just upside down. And, like, we're just filming things yeah. upside down now. Like, it's, and, like, it's a really cool visual, like, expression of how the world can change. You know, it's it's effective. I realize I'm just kind of rambling, but um, those are two things I was all about. The music was great. A lot of the dancers were actually fairly good actors. Very few of them, I thought, were unconvincing because they're supposed to be, you know, yeah. goofy dancers. So well, they're the- just being themselves. Like, that worked out. Exactly. Well, and that's pretty common in the dance profession to double as an actor or to have acting chops as as well, um, because dancers are in such good physical shape. They're perfect for uh, film visually. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I imagine a lot of those, the dance numbers and the scenes, I, I think there's a large amount of improvisation there, probably. Like, there's probably some big milestones that they know to hint to hit but i i imagine a lot of it's probably improvised i think you're right i i um things i thought were weak one the characters there were just too many i mean that opening the 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 after the brief little short film that it opens with you get that long take sequence of that television and it's man it feels like forever like it just drags because they hit you with every character and every character has a little bit to say 
and like there's just too many. You've never seen any of them before. They don't even put their names on screen. They really don't. Like they make no yeah. effort to like establish identity with these like celestial beings that are these characters. And I think there's something to that because it doesn't necessarily drop in the experience, but like like I said, I get to the end of the movie and there's two characters on the ground. I'm like, I don't even know who that is. I I, I have no idea. Were they in the movie earlier? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's a weird, that's a weird spot to be in. And maybe that's part of the LSD trip for all I know. Maybe that's part of the experience. Like, you're not really supposed to know. Maybe it's all planned. But ultimately, I feel like this would have benefited from just a slightly smaller cast. You know, just a little bit more. You can kind of wrap your wrap your head around. Right. Um, that was really my biggest biggest problem uh uh, and what do you think yeah i can agree with that it it definitely it seems like it it took a while to get going yeah um because it's it feels like it starts three times because you have this i think this is the first shot where it just opens up kind of on this white background and there's snow and there's a a girl like walking out into the snow and crying and her arms are covered in blood i don't really know why and then it cuts from that to the the tv screen where it's interviewing the dancers and then you get credits, and then you get the dancing, and then you get more credits. More it's, credits, yeah. But I mean, I think that that's he's probably doing that on on purpose, right? Um, and then the the it's and I don't think this is a spoiler, but the last scene in the film is also the first scene in the film. So there's this cyclical thing going on as, as well, right? Yeah, which which I think like he he mentions after that first scene that this was a short film, but it's like. Kind of. But then later you find out that the short, like, there's a whole thing to it. Yeah, there's a a whole cycle, and we should talk about that. Uh, This movie does not shy away from the very pretentious, like, French cinema uh, cut to black screen with big bold words on it for a minute so you can read something (laughs) and take it in and then go back to the movie. It does it. It feels clumsy. It it just kind of feels ham-fisted and unnecessary. I I don't think... That just feels like a stay over from a time in, in movies that just isn't relevant anymore. And that's coming from a guy who actually enjoys a movie like Climax. Like, general audiences, of course, wouldn't like it. Um, what, what did you think of that stuff? Did it feel ham-fisted? Did you feel like you, you were really into it? I mean... Uh, I mean, it definitely caught me by surprise. And it, especially when it happens... It, it a lot of times it's kind of has these big larger than life platitudes or sayings or statements about life and death. Um, it's it's definitely a lot to <laughs> to take in. I didn't really mind it so much. Uh, there's a whole lot of like I said words on the screen at different times. Like I said, we at the beginning we get like credits and then we get music credits at one point and then we get actor credits. Kind of towards the end takes up the whole screen and then we get like these scenes of just this, this flash of these big letters like here's some things we're trying to say um it it was definitely it didn't bother me no me neither i guess not uh you know i i, <laughs> I always kind of roll my eyes at those scenes but i do read them and i do you know one more thing before we move on to reviews because i know we're running over on time here christine asked me about this movie because she's not a horror fan but she likes a good thriller what is this movie i mean how do you how do you quantify <laughs> it in a genre like i guess horror kind of like not really I, more thriller i suppose than anything else like if i really yeah, had to put, put, oh, a, put a label on it i mean ultimately it's art house right that's yeah, that's how you define a drama. it but a drama yeah i told her it's like a whodunit because really that's that's what it feels like at the beginning at, at the end but um i did i did like this movie doesn't put the emphasis on the destination ultimately it doesn't really matter 
who spiked the punch bowl. What matters is the journey, how you got there. You know, like that's exactly that's really important in this film and it's stuff on life and death. I think that's that's ultimately what it's trying to say. I hope anyway. That's yeah. what I got out of it. Yeah, I, I that's what I got from the 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 title climax. Again, it has lots of different meanings. And um, yeah, it, it it definitely the it seems like the film is trying to say that it's it's about the it's about the journey, man. Right. Uh, it's about the trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, even like your whole life, it's a bit about the journey, not the not where you end up. Yeah. Um, Recommendations. Yeah. Lot, lot go- yeah uh, let's move on. Yeah. Let's do. It. <laughs> Sorry, a lot going on. Uh, Andy, would you recommend uh, Climax? <laughs> yes, with caveats. Ooh, okay. <laughs> it, it it's definitely. It's definitely an art house film. It's really intense. I mean, there's a lot of graphic uh, nudity, sexuality, uh, drug use, et cetera, violence. Um, it's it's a trip. It reminds me of a lot of things like Mandy, of Suspiria, of other things that are just kind of overwhelming. Uh, so, I mean, I overall, I enjoyed it. It's definitely for the cinephile and for the uh, mature film goer. Uh, but if that's not your thing, if, if, if French new, <laughs> if French uh, avant-garde cinema is maybe not your bag, then I would probably advise against it. Wait for Netflix. Uh, it's a very responsible review because in an optimistic world, I would say yes, absolutely. But no, I'm going to have to say yes with caveats as well. I'm not, excuse me, I'm not traditionally an art house fan. And this one charmed me. I, I thought this movie was so cool and so much fun. I'm not going to say it's as good as something like Mandy because that really just goes over the top in its presentation. But like, man, this, this movie is so small and for such a, what I imagine a small budget, like it just swings for the fences and, and it's, we, uh, you know, he, he knew what he wanted to make when he started and, and by God, he made a movie and like, it's just fun. I wish more movies took risks like this one did. I wish more movies had weird at kooky plots like this one. I wish more movies would be willing to push the envelope like this one does. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does next. According to his filmography, I'm going to be disappointed uh, historically by whatever he's doing next. But for what it's <laughs> worth, I thought Climax was a ton of fun. Probably... I say probably potentially a, a Blu-ray purchase for me. I really liked it. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I um, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I definitely want to, want to see some of his, his other stuff. And I mean, the film definitely stayed with me. I've been thinking all weekend, like, you know, what, what are these different stories about? What do they reveal about the characters? What is it trying to say to you? I mean, the soundtrack's been on my mind, uh, as well. So, yeah, it it really it's it's really something else, and that's what that's what we're we're here for. We're here for the bold. Yeah, I, I appreciated your immediate review following following credits, and you were like, "Well, it was certainly bold, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bold cinema at its finest." So, our next segment, we should talk about some recent trailers that have come out. We're not going to bog you down with them. It's three trailers, all right, and odds are you've already seen them. Andy, do you mind if I uh, announce uh, the 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 segment? Go ahead. Uh, this is the trailer park. All right, so uh, the first trailer we're going to talk about is uh, Aladdin. Watch out! Uh, you done wild me up. You ain't never had a friend like me. Uh, last week, the full-length, you know, two, two-and-a-half-minute trailer for the live-action Aladdin film came out, and uh, we got to see a lot more of the film. I'm not going to go over the plot because we all know the plot, <laughs> um, but we, we but we got to see more of 
Aladdin. We got to see more of Jasmine and uh, the genie and everything. And uh, I, I was really kind of blown away by it. I was kind of skeptical initial by the first kind of things we saw. But if anything else, this looks like a giant spectacle. And I will go and see it based on that itself. I mean, the, just like the costumes and the big parades, basically all this stuff that's larger than life in the cartoon they've made larger in life here as well so i'm i'm pretty stoked about it the genie it looks like they're gonna have him be blue some of the time and then look normal a lot of that time so i think that's gonna really help it as well uh any thoughts you pretty much hit the nail on the head uh we saw more aladdin we saw more jasmine we saw less blue genie which was a good move because uh nobody was into Blue Will Smith. Um, I think this is such a great example of how a teaser trailer can do less for you because nobody was super stoked after the teaser trailer. And and I, I watched the trailer very skeptically because I was like, well, I saw the teaser trailer and it looked terrible. Let's see what this is about. <laughs> Actually stoked to see it. You got the good music. You got the larger than life set pieces. It's like if you just saw like it's like if you saw a trailer for uh, a teaser trailer for. I don't know because Toy Story Four, right? Uh, and right. and the teaser trailer is just in Andy's room, and it's just a little bit. And then you actually see the trailer, and it's like, oh, they get out of the room, they go to whole places. There's a whole thing. Like it does so much more for you than the teaser trailer for Aladdin did. And this is a great reminder to studios: like, don't just put out junk. Don't just put out a teaser trailer that's lame. Like, actually tease us with something engaging because that's what this trailer does. It's good stuff. I actually want to see Aladdin, which is insane because a week ago I would have said I didn't want to. But here, yeah, exactly. Every piece of of marketing, every teaser should make you more and more excited for the movie. And the first two things we saw from Aladdin were just not that. So I'm I'm glad that we got uh, a good trailer out. Uh, the next movie uh, is a trailer I just watched before we started this episode. I hadn't seen it. I think it came out today, actually. Uh, the yep. movie is Lucy in the Sky. Lucy? I'm fine. <laughs> so Lucy in the Sky is the story of uh, Natalie Portman's titular Lucy, uh, who has gone up into uh, orbit as an astronaut, and after having a transcendental experience uh, up in the sky looking at the planet and the universe, uh, she gets back on her spacecraft, she comes back down to Earth, and then basically lives a... a uh, uh, what a cursed life after having seen the, the wonders of the universe now she's back on earth and like life is just not the same she just can't yeah. can't get back into herself <laughs> i guess uh, the trailer is a little unclear it's a movie by noah hawley who is traditionally a writer on series like fargo and legion i'm intrigued uh it looks like it's a drama of course it looks like there's definitely some play with things like aspect ratio at least in the trailer it bounces back and forth a lot um and and look and and effects john ham is in it and i'm always excited by by some yeah. ham so that's good <laughs> andy what do you think of lucy in the sky so it reminds me of like that that one uh, friend that everyone has that studied abroad, and they come back and they're like, "Oh my God, Europe was in Europe." You know, that's what the, it's it's like that, but in space. Oh God, yeah, it does uh, remind me of that. <laughs> um, it looks really cool because th there's this whole psychological aspect to it, and there's all these scenes where she's, you know, on Earth, but you know, 
like the room is opening up and she sees space. Like it looks really psychological and like, she's just really struggling and like she can't come back down. And then there's lots of drama and it, it's a weird period thing. Cause she's got like this eighties haircut. So it looks like that's kind of the place. And there's, there's a brief scene of like the challenger explosion. So there's all this kind of drama that I think is going to surround it. But, um, I, I was really excited by the look of it. It was formerly called a pale blue dot. And I had heard of the, of some buzz about that film. And if you don't know, that's a reference to uh, Carl Sagan's uh, kind of famous saying, or he actually he may have written a book by that same uh, title. Yeah, I um, wonder, it, real quick, ahead. I wonder if ultimately the period stuff, because I don't know if it is, but it looks like it's like an 80s, 90s kind of flick. I wonder if that'll hurt it, you know? Because I feel like I'd be able to connect more with an astronaut who comes back down to Earth in the age of social media and tweets and smartphones and just constantly being glued to our screens. And has a crisis of identity, like, what are we all doing? Why aren't we, you know, getting out and exploring the universe? Why are we looking at our stupid phones? Like, there might be a little bit more I can connect to with that, and maybe general audiences too, but this isn't a general audience movie, obviously. Uh, So, I guess we'll see what happens to Lucy in the Sky. Well, and I think that that's, I mean, the 80s, I think, was probably the the peak of, like, you know, when the space shuttle was... Uh, a really regular thing and like now we don't have the space shuttle program anymore so i think that that might be like peak uh you know spacefaring that is a very good point <laughs> that makes sense you're right it makes sense for the characters in, in the universe i guess i should appreciate a movie for what it is and not what it isn't uh, moving on we're going on to uh toy story 4 i was made to help a child I don't remember it being this hard. Woody, somebody's whispering in your ear. Everything's gonna be okay. Which also came out today. Um, we, we've seen a, I don't know if we've seen a teaser, or we've seen some very small footage. We finally get a full trailer. Uh, we see uh, Buzz and, and friends and Woody. Uh, they meet a new character who is uh, Andy's younger sister who has made a toy out of that was formerly a spork, but she's, you know, through arts and crafts has created this toy that, which she loves. And apparently the, the toy is having like an existential crisis about not being, about being a toy and not being a food utensil. Um, so, uh, we see some scenes of this utensil escaping. Woody saying that we have to rescue it. That's her favorite toy. Along the way, we rediscover Bo Peep who apparently somehow got lost. Uh, I don't remember when and w- or when she stopped showing up in the series, but, um, she went missing or was sold off or something. Um, and Buzz runs across her at this uh, kind of carnival place, uh, but she's kind of an action hero now. There's a whole lot going on in this trailer. It looks great. I mean, people were tearing up. I sent it to some people, and they're like, oh, you made me cry again. How dare you? Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm stunned at how good it looks because I remember Toy Story 3 was supposed to be the cap, right? And I was like, all right, Toy Story 3 is a great movie. They're done with the cheap sequel cash-ins. They put Toy Story to rest. Awesome. And then they announced Toy Story 4. Like, oh, come on. And now they're saying this is going to be the last one. This is the really emotional one. That's what they said about Toy Story 3. I'm going to be honest. I'm a little jaded here. But (laughs) damn it, I watched this trailer and it looks really good. It looks like classic Pixar. Yeah, it looks like a heartwarming tale. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, like I said, it it looks really good. And it's amazing to me that they they can keep telling... You know, interesting, heart, heartfelt stories with the same characters over. I mean, we're looking at 25 years of, of the Toy Story franchise. Um, so that's that's incredible. And, and I, I'm definitely excited to see, you know, we, we have some new characters. We have new um, places we're going, emphasis on different characters. I, I'm, I'm definitely stoked for it. 
yeah, when midsummer too. movies come around. One quick thing, not to not to step on your toes here, but in the off chance any any diehard Pixar fans listening to this, Bonnie is not actually Andy's younger sister. She's just some arbitrary girl that he met in uh, Toy Story three and gave all his toys to. So, oh, yeah. okay, <laughs> that's not that it matters. Um, Sorry, my Toy Story lore isn't <laughs> right. Yeah, not not quite up to date on the on the Toy Story uh, lore. Uh, we should move on to our last film. At the pace we're going, this might be a short episode. We'll see. Uh, the movie is Netflix's new original film, Triple Frontier. We finally get to use our skills for our own benefit. All right. Let's do it. So Triple Frontier is the story of five uh, former special ops soldiers who plan a heist to rob a South American drug lord and arguably crime boss but as far as i know drug lord uh one of them gets a um see this is going to be clumsy because like i was telling andy i watched this very late last night so excuse me <laughs> if i if, if i'm if i'm off here feel free to correct me uh one of them uh, gets a gets a word from an informant of his that that she can connect him to uh this crime boss who has a stupid amount of money uh, he calls up some of his special ops friends and says, "Hey, I got one more, one last job, just one last job, and yes, I'm out." More. Right? Of course. <laughs> and and uh, a couple of them are all in. And, you know, they need the money. Um, and one of them, in in particular, really needs the money. So he he reluctantly agrees. Uh, they 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 set off to 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 rob this guy blind, and upon uh, doing so, discover he actually has much 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 more money than they thought. And now they have to try to. Uh, extricate themselves from a place they shouldn't be uh with things they didn't plan on having or uh, uh abandon the, the thing and just get out with what they came for risk it all for more or uh you know i don't know so, 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 so head your bets i guess and settle with what yeah. you got um there's definitely some inner conflict with the group some think that we should we should get out now others think that we should really double down on it um it's 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 an engaging movie and i should say before we get too far into it an all-star cast the five special ops uh guys are and this is a brilliant list that i can't believe they got together ben affleck oscar isaac charlie hunnam garrett headland and pedro pascal i can name what all of those guys have been in it's insane so i don't know how they managed to get <laughs> the five of these guys together on one fun team but they did and it's pretty fun ultimately it's a fairly serious film not all that funny like it's supposed to be a drama and it's supposed to be the whole angle andy what did you think of triple frontier i think there's a lot of th things going for this film it's got a lot of positives and then the, it also has some things that don't quite work um but let, let's start with the good stuff it, so it's got just these great action sequences it's this incredible spectacle it's shot on location in south america you're in the jungle you're in south american cities you're in the andes you're on the beach uh there's car chases there's shootouts you know there's military stuff there's uh recon and it all that works really well it feels really real like they're in the jungle and it's pouring rain and you know you feel feel that um so that part works very well as you said before great cast um, but maybe one too many people. I think I feel like I could have cut Garrett Headland <laughs> out of this. Uh, Garrett Headland or or Charlie Hunnam, they're brothers in the film, and they're pretty much interchangeable. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's probably fair. Um, it, and again, it it's an archetypal setup. You know, it's like let, we got one last job. Put the team together. You know, and, and those scenes kind of are are a little uh, clumsy. I feel what's weak about the film 
is the kind of the writing and these characters. And I, I think there's a deeper thing that they could have deeper subjects they could have touched on. And they just don't really do that. Um, but overall, I, I definitely, definitely enjoyed it. Like I said, full of action, full of the kinds of things people want to see. It just, it didn't kind of go to that, that extra level. One of the things is that all these guys are soldiers and there's a whole thing about like, Oh, our country didn't look after us after we got back. And they never really explore that very deeply that, you know, they're just, everyone's hurting for money. So they do the job, but there's not a, a bigger discussion about like what it means to be a soldier, what our country owed, owed us those, you know, that whole, whole kind of thing. The other issue when you have, you know, a film like this where you're stealing money and you're taking more than you can and you know it's you have a chance to talk talk about like you know at what point do you start to lose your humanity because of greed and that's a story that's been written tons you know i I think of uh the great pearl which i can't can't think of the author at the moment um it just doesn't get on kind of these deeper levels uh but overall the film definitely worked for me. And I'm excited. Uh, J.C. Chandor also did uh, A Most Violent Year, which is a brilliant movie with Oscar Isaac. Man, a uh, lot, to, lot to tackle in here. But before... See, you started on the strong things. I already want to start on the negative things. But I guess you covered <laughs> that because I pretty much agree with you. Ultimately, like... And this is this is a bummer. Uh, this is where people tune out. Like, there's a reason this movie's on Netflix, right? There's a reason yeah. a movie with yeah. five all-star actors is on Netflix... Is a reason you didn't really hear about it two months ago or three months ago. There was a reason there wasn't a teaser trailer in a trailer. It's because ultimately it's not that good. There's a lot it does well. There is. Uh, the way it's shot, it's a very dark film. A lot of blacks in there. Uh, it's really hard to see colors. Um, a lot of shadow. And that, I think, contributes to its serious kind of tone. Um but I was frustrated by, especially in the beginning, when our, our main character, Oscar Isaac, is getting the rest of the crew together. You get a whole lot of telling, not a whole lot of showing. It's just a whole lot of dialogue of, well, back in the war this happened, or I gotta get my yeah. family for Great. Show me. You know? Like, I, I feel like I'm just getting scenes of dudes standing around talking. You know? Like, I need a little bit more than that. Now, the movie does pick up. In its second and third act, it really does get going. You're out on location. It does feel like they're in South America. They're actually trudging through the jungle. But you keep running into situations where you think to yourself, like, that doesn't make any sense for these characters to try to do that. <laughs> like, that, why wouldn't they? And I guess that's the whole, like, driving thing behind it, right? Greed or, or, or revenge or redemption or I'm not even sure what. But it never really comes out clear. So it feels like the script was a little weak. It feels like the actors were really trying to work with what they had. And you can tell, like, they they wanted to be there. Right? Maybe not Ben Affleck, but everybody else. Like, they wanted to be there. They wanted to be... <laughs> yeah. They wanted to be a part of what was happening, and they wanted it to be good. And I think they really really contributed. Oscar Isaac really goes for it. Um, you know, he, he really tries to be this strong character. Uh, Charlie Hunnam I liked a lot. I, I didn't really... My, Garrett Hedlund was okay. Pedro Pascal's all right. This kind of quiet, stoic guy. Um... Man, really didn't feel the Affleck performance. What, what did you think? Am I crazy? Is that was I just reading that <laughs> no, wrong? No, no, I, I agree. Like that, the characters are one of the the more the weaker part of the film, and it's I think mainly because you have too many people, and and again, they're just not they're not unique enough. They don't have enough good scenes or important things. They're just well, we need a guy who can who can fly the plane. We need a guy who's uh, you know the the recon expert. We need a guy who. You know, it, I can't even remember what else they really needed other than they just said they needed five guys because they needed five guys. Yeah, I, I think and you're like, right. 
and like I said, you you miss an opportunity because there are some some themes that you could bring up about what it means to be a soldier, what it means to serve your country, you know, and then like how when they're trying to do because essentially trying to do this heist, you know, at one what point are they going to sacrifice each each turn on each other? And again, this is an archetypal film, like, but what I think of this kind of movie, I think of something like Inception which is a, a brilliant example of pulling this kind of archetype off correctly in a really interesting way with unique characters that like, you know, blows people's minds. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I, 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 I don't have much to say about the music in this movie. It's kind of forgettable. Ultimately the plot is, is not that deep. I, I mean, I think I summed it up about as well as you can. Um, I, I do wish it dug a little bit more into what you said earlier, the greed thing. Like, I, I love this idea of you have so much money, you can't even carry it. How do you square that? You know, what do you do? Is it worth even trying to carry or do you just outright decide it's not worth my time? And I like that infighting from the group, but like, it just felt kind of, I don't know, like suppressed. Like it could have just been more... More, more grisly, more viral, more, more, more caustic. You know, these guys could have gotten angrier at each other. They could have gotten guns out and pointed them at each other. Like, ultimately, it, it all falls back on this. Like, well, I guess we're all brothers because we were in the army together, or whatever. <laughs> and like, I guess yeah. I get that, but like, I wanted something just a little bit more like palpable. I guess. I, d- I did like that. You, you know, a story like this is going to go wrong because that's that's how these stories work. And what I liked is that you, at no point did I know when that was going to happen. And, you know, the majority of the plan works. And that's the, that was the other surprise is because I, I expected things to go wrong pretty early on and, and they didn't. And so it, it definitely lulls you in kind of a, into kind of a sense of, uh, you know, safety that way. Yeah. You know what I really, um, no, God, I just had, I just had a train of thought and I lost it. That's funny. Oh yeah. I remember. Uh, you know what I really enjoyed in this movie? There's a scene towards the, I guess towards the end, kind of, when uh, these guys just have like a stupid amount of cash. Like they can't, they literally can't carry it. They're just hauling bags across the forest, like trying to figure out what, what they're going to do when they get down to the, to, to the ocean to get to their boat that they're five days late for. There's a scene when they're up on top of this cliffside and and they're, they're cold and, and they want to make a fire, but they have nothing to make a fire with. So Garrett Hedlund gets the bread and just light up a wad of hundreds because we can't carry it anyway. We might as well use it. And like <laughs> Pedro Pascal starts laughing and then they all start laughing. And it's one of those scenes when like I'm just watching it like what's funny about this? Like what's <laughs> like as an audience member, you just left out in the cold. And like a lot of this movie just kind of felt that way. I was like, I just I, I can't I can't get into this. I can't connect to it like it's too. I don't know. It, this movie's up on a pedestal. It, it's 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 too into itself for me to for me to be able to get into it and enjoy it. I guess as an yeah, audience, yeah. Member. For for how much money they clearly spent on, you know, shooting on location, renting helicopters, uh, paying the actors. You know, they could have thrown some more money at the script, but um, you know, good writing takes time, and I, I think more than anything, Netflix is on probably a really tight production schedule and. You know, we got to have this the script in three months, and that's it. Um, so that that's unfortunate because I, I think it it could have been there's potential that it could have been a brilliant movie, and instead it's just it's okay and it's on Netflix. So, well, uh, with that, I suppose anything else before recommendations? I think I'm ready. All right, Andy, would you recommend Triple Frontier? You know, I I think I would. It it again, if it's if you're already paying for Netflix, it's there. There's a lot of good action scenes. 
a lot of your your favorite actors are are in it. it it's it's enjoyable it's just missing that kind of deeper level uh that could have done i mean because that said you know five years ago i could definitely see this being something that came out in theaters and flopped and said uh it's on netflix <laughs> right I mean, ultimately, just like this movie suffers from being a a Netflix exclusive uh, straight to Netflix film, it also benefits from being a straight to Netflix film. If you already pay for Netflix and you're looking for a little action starring some pretty good actors who deserve a better movie than this, yeah, go for it. You'll probably get a laugh, but ultimately, it's just kind of shallow. It's it's not that deep, and it doesn't doesn't go as far as it could, um, and that's a shame. It, it hurts it, but. Maybe, I guess, is where where I'm at. Yeah, maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. I don't know. If you listen yeah. to this review and it sounds lame, don't bother, I guess. But if, you're, <laughs> if, you're, you, know, if you like a good action flick and you're like, I want to watch Triple Freight, go for it. Maybe you'll like it. Like, maybe it you'll be into it. It was solidly mediocre. It's, yeah, thunderingly average is how I would describe this film. Uh, and with that, we should just about wrap the show. A short episode this week, which almost never happens, but next week I think will be nice and long because I'm really excited about what we're talking about. You find that you found these movies. You want to do the formal announcement, please. You should. Yes, we are going to be seeing Jordan Peele's new horror movie, Us, which I am super stoked about, and I already have my tickets for. Yes, uh, we are also going to be watching Cold War uh, on Amazon Prime. They have it. Uh, it is a polish film it's black and white i'm pretty sure it's like three hours long and it was nominated for a bunch of academy awards so i know it's real good i just don't know why and next (laughs) week we're going to talk about it and we're going to figure that out real quick before we get too far down this rabbit hole uh i saw jordan peele tweet something recently about us and i'll talk about what that is but i don't want to spoil the bit christine kind of wants to watch it with me and she watched, uh, um, oh God, Get Out. It was his last movie. I don't know what I was going to say there. She watched Get Out, and she's not a horror fan. And she kind of liked it, for what it's worth. She watched the whole movie. She was like, that wasn't that bad. That wasn't too horror-y. Um, uh-huh. Looking at Us, same thing. Would you recommend that to somebody who's not a horror fan? Or you think you... Wait, wait, do you mean Us or Get Out? Us. Is Us a horror film? Alan, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The reason I say that is because like two days ago, Jordan Peele just tweeted, us is a horror film. <laughs> in case in case anybody didn't know, he's he's making it clear like it is a horror movie. That That's what yeah. he's going for. I, that, I think Get that's Out. Defi- that's definitely a dig at, you know, getting put in the, what is it, musical or comedy category. Big time. Uh, Get Out is, it was a little bit more thrillery, I think, and passable. Uh, this one does not look like it's supposed to be. Like a fun thriller kind of movie. I mean, Get Out didn't either, I guess. But like, ultimately, Get Out didn't go that far. Whereas this one in the trailer makes it very clear, like weird things are going to happen and it's going to be creepy. So that's that's the mood, I guess. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, if you think we're totally wrong about Triple Frontier, if you want to check out that movie Lucy in the Sky, kind of like I do, uh, and if you thought Climax was real, real good and want and, and maybe if you know where we can get the soundtrack here in America, that'd be real cool. Uh, email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. Check out our website, offscriptfilmreview.com. Hit us up on Facebook, on Instagram. We're around. We're, we're, we're here. You, you can talk to us. We're happy. We're, we're your friends. We're happy to hear it. And um, gosh, anything else I'm missing? I feel like I'm forgetting something here. I guess not. No, I think that's everything. All right. Well, from all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.